0: Welcome to Crossroad International Church, where it's all about Jesus. If you are in Kuwait and looking for a church to call home, we would love the opportunity to welcome you at one of our Friday services. Now, here is this week's message. Open with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 8. We're going to read the whole chapter, um, chapter 8, verses 1 through 13, and then we'll go through them and give, a, hopefully, some understanding. Verse 1, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected, not a man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. There it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law who served the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. Verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand, to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that he says, a new covenant. He has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish. Uh, I love it when um, God puts service together. Uh, the songs that we sang today go with my message. The scriptures that Abiel read were some of the ones that I was going to read. I don't need to read them now because they've been read. You know, and it's just kind of neat the way God does this. Just as a bit of introduction on this chapter, uh, the first readers of the epistle of Hebrews, as we said many times, were tempted to go back to the Jewish religion. They had come out of the Jewish religion, given their hearts to Christ, were followers of Jesus, but because of persecution by the Jews and um, by religious leaders, they had a tendency to fall back to the old way. Kind of a question, why endure persecution for their faith in Christ? Why not just go back to the old way? And the, to counter that, the book of Hebrews was written letting them know, as Abiel read, in former times Jesus, God talked through the prophets, but now he has sent his son Jesus. Jesus is better than anything in the Old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And as we're going to see today that Jesus is a better priest who, who ministers in the true tabernacle And he ministers a new covenant. Now let me say something here to to get everybody really clear. There is a group of churches around the world that are called New Testament churches. That they only read, preach, and study the New Testament. And mainly it's based on these scriptures that we just read, especially verse 13. In that he says, a new covenant, he has made the first one obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So they said, Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. We don't need it anymore. We're only New Testament people. We are New Testament. We are in the New Covenant. But God gave us this entire book. So if we only do New Testament, that's only about a third of the book, okay? Let me tell you that you can't truly understand the New Testament until you study the Old Testament. And you can't really understand the Old Testament unless you know the New Testament, okay? So as I heard one old guy say, I love the whole Bible from the book of generations to the book of revolutions, and I really like where God spoke to them Filipinos in the middle. (laughs) Philippians. Okay, it's actually Genesis to Revelation, and Philippians is in there somewhere. The whole scripture is the word of God and we'll talk about that in a minute. So we want to look at verses 1 through 5 for a second that Jesus is a better priest who ministers in the true tabernacle. When I teach the book of Hebrews in Bible colleges, I usually spend about 60 hours doing it. You're getting the entire book in about 15 hours over a several month period. So there's a lot of stuff we can't cover. So I would recommend, don't say, oh, we heard the book of Hebrews taught at church, so I know everything about the book of Hebrews. Please study it. This should be a study manual. We need to read it every day. I want to challenge you to read through it this year. Um, I mentioned I'm reading through this year with, a Bible reading plan by Nikki Gumbel. Uh, you can search on the U uh, Version Bible, um, the one year Bible with Nikki Gumbel. It gives about a 15 minute devotion and then about 10 or 15 minutes of Bible reading, and you can go through the Bible in a year. I'm not going to ask hands of how many have read all the way through the Bible, but I want to challenge you as your pastor, please read it from cover to cover. Not once, not twice, but many times, and not just read it, but study it. Your life will be better. Verses 1 and 2, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, not a man. In this commentary by Warren Risby, he says, now this is the main point or the climax of the discussion. And then like a trial lawyer, the author goes through and gives four summary arguments that prove that Jesus is a better high priest. He is a superior high priest. The first one is his moral adequacy. It says, he was such a high priest. See, the fact that Jesus is morally perfect, the fact that Jesus never sinned, no other high priest in history can make that claim. Only Christ. He is the sinless Savior. He is the one and only one who can satisfy that moral adequacy. That's in verse 1, and then his finished work. He is seated. As Abiel said, the priests of the Old Testament were never seated. Look at the furniture in the tabernacle. Nowhere in the tabernacle, and we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, or next week probably, nowhere in the tabernacle are their chairs. Because the priest, their ministry was continual day after day after day they had to offer sacrifice year after year they had to offer the sin sacrifice that would cover sin for a year but christ is seated because his work is finished amen Amen. Amen. on the cross he said it is finished And then his enthronement, not only is he seated, verse 1 says, but he's seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty. See, it's because he is after the order of Melchizedek, who was a king and a priest, Jesus is able to sit on the throne because he also is a king and a priest. And then his supreme Exaltation. Not only is he seated at the right hand of the throne, but where is that throne? Verse 2 says, it's in heaven. He is now exalted above any other priest that has ever served God. He is seated in heavenly places. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And let me give you some good news. The Bible says that you and I, if we are in Christ, we are seated with Him in heavenly places. Amen. Amen? Jesus is a better high priest. Verses 3 through 5. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer, For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things. As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you in the mountain. Here we're giving basically three things to look at in these verses that show that um, Jesus ministers in a heavenly sanctuary. He ministers in the true sanctuary. The first one is a logical answer from verse 3. If Christ is a high priest and he offered his sacrifice He has to have a sanctuary to offer it in. That's the logical argument that we get from these scriptures. Now, you have to understand that the sacrifice that Jesus is offering, that he offered, not that he is offering, the once and for all sacrifice that he offered in heaven was not the same sacrifices that were offered in the Old Testament temple. Okay, They were offering the blood of bulls and goats and doves and sheep. Jesus offered his own blood, represented by the juice that we partook of today. His blood was perfect. His blood was sinless. His blood didn't cover our sins. It removed our sin. Then there's a genealogical reason that Christ is better. He's not from the tribe of Levi, so he cannot any way possible for him to be a priest here on earth because the priest here had to be from the tribe of Levi. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. The Messiah was to come from the tribe of Judah, the kingly tribe. The line of the kings was from the tribe of... Of Judah. And David predicted that Jesus would be a priest in Psalms 110, verse 4. See, Jesus' birth into the tribe of Judah disqualified him from being an earthly priest. But because he's from the tribe of Judah and not from the tribe of Levi, he is a heavenly priest. And then in verse 5, it talks about the type. The Old Testament tabernacle was a type or a shadow of that which was to come. Moses was given a pattern. And the pattern was to be duplicated here on earth. If you take your mind a moment to the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation... We see the heavenly scene described in the book of Revelation and there we see the pattern that the temple was based on. In the heavenly temple, we have the brazen altar, Revelation 6, 9 to 11. We have the altar of incense, Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. We have the sea of glass or the, um, the labor, in verses chapter four, verse six. We have the seven candle or the seven uh, lampstands of fire in verse four and five talking about the lampstand that was in the tabernacle. The heavenly of, he- the holy of Holies is there. So the earthly temple was a pattern or a type or a shadow of the heavenly temple where Jesus is ministering today. Now, a lot of this is academic. Uh, I wish I had you in a Bible college setting to where I could throw up a picture of the tabernacle and go through what each one of the pieces were, and we'll talk about the tab- the earthly tabernacle next week. But I just want to, to share that with you that we think what's here is real Of course unless you're Elon Musk I don't know if y'all know who he is he was the inventor of Tesla Elon Musk thinks that everything we see now is just a figment of our imagination and nothing's real feels pretty real <laughs> yeah, <unreal. laughs> you know I guess otherwise we'd just pass through one of but this is only temporary. The real real is heaven. That's where nothing passes away. That's why we give our offerings and we pay our tithes and we're laying up treasures in heaven because there you don't have to worry about recession. You don't have to worry about job cuts. You don't have to worry about things breaking and Uh, All of those things. You know, I don't think God's too worried about the economy of heaven if he's able to pave the streets with gold. God can take care of us. The stuff that we strive for here on earth has very little meaning in heaven. Verses 6 through 13 talks about Jesus mediates or he has given us a better covenant. Verse 6, but now... He has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he also is a mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. See, Moses was the mediator or the go-between when the law was given to God. Moses went to God. He got the law. He came down. Do you remember the first time they came to the mountain? And all the people came, and God was going to meet with them, and lightning and thunder and all of this is taking place on the mountain. And the people all run, and they go, Moses, you go talk to God, and then you come tell us what he said so we don't have to go talk to him. Sadly, we see that a lot of times today when people want the pastor to talk to God for them rather than talking themselves. You'll be surprised how many times someone will call me and say, Pastor, would you pray for me about such and such? And I said, well, yeah, but what did God tell you about? Well, I haven't asked him. I called you first. Let me give you some advice. I don't have a special hotline to heaven. Do you realize that? I'm just a member of the body of Christ just like you are. I have problems like you have. I mess up like you mess up. And every one of us can boldly come to the throne of God. Every one of us at any time can boldly run in to the throne of God and let him know what our needs are. See, Moses was the mediator in the Old Testament. Today, Jesus is the mediator of a more excellent Ministry in a more excellent covenant than the old one because it is with better promises. This better covenant is referred to in Jeremiah 31 31 to 34, and that will be quoted in verses 8 through 12. It's a better covenant. The word Better or new covenant doesn't mean new in time. It means new in quality. Verses 7 through 9. And if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for the second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. See, God didn't find fault with his covenant. He found fault with people not keeping the covenant. When the fire came down from heaven, they promised Moses, you go hear from God, You come back, tell us what God said, and we'll do everything God said. That lasted for a little while. And then they turned their backs on God. See, God led them out of Israel. What I want you to understand is the new covenant is holy of God's grace. No part. No part of this new covenant is based on anything man has done. We cannot be part of the new covenant by works, by anything we do. It is strictly, completely by faith. Grace and faith go together like the law and works went together. We live in a nation where the religion, the main religion, is a works religion. Judaism was a works religion. We are not in a works religion. You cannot work your way to heaven. Do you understand that? I hope. Now, does that mean we sit back and do nothing? No. We are, the Bible tells us we are to do good things. But we don't do good things to become saved, we do good things because we are saved. I don't come to church so that I get a gold star every Friday and I can show that to God and say, look, I never missed a Friday. When I was growing up, I went to church every Sunday, whether I wanted to or not. Because my dad had a philosophy, if you sleep in a bed in my house and eat food off of my table, you go to church on Sunday. And so we went to church on Sunday. I had a perfect record in Sunday school for years. Turned 15, and where I was from, we had what was called drive through liquor stores. It's kind of like McDonald's fast food. And if you could drive, you were old enough. We'd go out Saturday night, go through, hung over Sunday morning. But guess where I was? Sunday school in church, perfect record. Always had my memory verse. Wanting to be anywhere but. And... I had everybody fooled except two people or one person in God (laughs) because I knew the truth and God knew the truth. That perfect record in Sunday school, memorizing those memory verses every week, and I was what we would say where I'm from. I was as lost as a goose in a hailstorm, had no idea where I was going or what I was doing, but I was in church, and I would have told you I was a Christian. But guess what? I was on my way to hell because that did nothing for me. It wasn't until I was 21 years old when I gave my heart to Jesus. And then everything changed. Now, God used that because once I was saved, I remembered all of those scriptures that I had memorized because they were, they were in there somewhere and now the Holy Spirit was able to bring them back. But what I want to tell you is our new covenant is better than the old covenant because it is based on grace and faith. Verse 10 says it, We have an internal change. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. The Old Testament was all external. The new covenant is all internal. In the new covenant, God puts his word in our hearts. He changes our hearts. And we are changed from the outside, or from the inside out, not from the outside in. I remember, you may not believe this because I don't have much left, but when I got saved, I had beautiful hair, according to my hairdresser down hung around my shoulders and um, wasn't long after I got saved started getting a little shorter and then a little shorter and then a little shorter but no one at church told me I had to get a haircut it was interesting they accepted me the way I was but sometimes Churches aren't accepting of everybody. See, sometimes we think we want people to change on the outside so that they're respectable enough to come in to our church. See, many times as Christians, we want the new covenant for salvation but we want to keep the old covenant for sanctification because we want to feel like we're doing something for God. Let me tell you, the best thing you can do for God is love Him and honor Him and glorify Him and obey what His Word says. I've got three granddaughters and a grandson, and I love it when they do stuff for me or help me or... My oldest granddaughter makes breakfast for me when I'm there. But what I really like is when they just come sit in my lap and love on me. God likes you to do stuff to work for him, to be busy for him. But he likes it even more when you just come into his presence and get to know him. And the last three verses, 11, 12, and 13. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that, he says, in New Covenant, He has made the first obsolete, and now becoming obsolete and growing old and ready to vanish. See, here we have forgiveness for everyone. Jesus died for all, and we can be forgiven. I have heard people say that God forgets our sin. doesn't say that. It says he will remember it no more. Our God is all-knowing. He can't forget something or he would cease to be God. But he chooses not to bring it up anymore we can also choose not to bring up other people's mistakes anymore after they've asked for forgiveness. Amen? We don't forget. We just choose not to bring it up. The old covenant passed away. A.D. 70, the temple was destroyed. The priesthood was finished. There's still not a temple today, and there's not a priesthood like there was at that time anymore. Jesus now has given us a new covenant, a new priesthood. You and I are called a kingdom of priests. You and I are priests before God. That way, each one of us can come in to his heavenly sanctuary. Let me just give you a little application. All of that was good. All that was academic. All of that you could get from a commentary, or reading books about Hebrews. But what does that do for me today? What do I take away from this place based on this chapter? Number one, Jesus serves in heaven on our behalf. Let him serve you. Come to him when you have a need. Let him help carry the load because his burden is light and his yoke is easy. The heavenly and the, and the spiritual is more real than the earthly and the visible. So keep seeking the things above. I've heard it said, don't be so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. I think that is impossible. The more heavenly minded we are, the more earthly good we are because the more we're living like Christ. But too many times the church thinks that they need to be earthly minded so that they can relate to people that are of this world. Don't be worldly. I used to have a, a picture in my office, and it was two people arguing, and their faces were all contorted, and it says, Do not argue with the fool. Bystanders won't know who's who. So let me ask you where you work? Is your work ethic set you apart from the unbelievers you work with? Does your language set you apart from the unbelievers that you work with? Does your lifestyle set you apart? And lastly, while Christianity requires obedience, it is not external obedience to rules and rituals, but it is obedience from the heart out of love. For our heavenly Father, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would be with us today. Father, I know this was a very brief look at an intense chapter in the book of Hebrews, but Father, help us to take away from this that Jesus is our supreme high priest who rules in the true tabernacle in heaven. And he has offered us a better covenant by his broken body and his shed blood. Father, help us to understand the Old Testament and to study it. Understand the New Testament and study it. But Father, in everything we do, let us make Christ the center of everything. In Jesus' name, amen. When you have a need... Bring it to your heavenly high priest. Go in the blessings of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.